0: They have committed themselves to that over there, but somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly, somewhere I read of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read of the freedom of press, somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest our rights. We aren't gonna let any dogs or water hoses turn us around. We aren't gonna let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Ladies
1: and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, we deal with the continued journey of the IRP-5. David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart, the five victims of a system that went awry. We kick off with that journey as we get into the trial and the injustice that continues after that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Dave Zappolo, Fapson Riddle, William Williams, Clinton Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and Tanique Wright. Uh, Kendrick is out tonight, but I'll tell you what, folks, this is a really uh, troubling show. I don't want to say a good show uh, because we've exposed so much corruption in the process uh, of this journey thus far. Uh, Getting to the indictment, uh, getting ready at this point to proceed to trial. Uh, We're going to take you step by step what happened, what took place again by the players here. Uh, uh namely uh federal judge Christina Guel, uh and Matthew Kirsch and other players that you'll hear on this show tonight. Um and I'll tell you, Days of Hollow as we get ready to move here, this is a, a huge situation that we're dealing with right now on top of this. Give us your thoughts.
2: Well, when you
3: look at everything that happened I live I lived it and sometimes it's still unbelievable that it happened. You you see things that you would never have believed were were happening in the justice system. How does this happen when you have people that didn't commit a crime, when you look at the case, you can't even see a crime, and they still end up indicted and in prison for eight years? Now, they can indict a ham sandwich, but they couldn't indict us through the first grand jury, so that is really telling. Oh, absolutely
1: right. Tanik, your thoughts on, on that as well?
4: Um, I agree. You know with Dave, the our justice system is just – I don't even have words to say on how unjust it is. You know, when you look at, uh, like you said, that you can indict a ham sandwich so the, the system is set up to fail you so that they can basically – Uh, send any, go to the grand jury and indict anybody who they want.
1: No, I mean, true words. uh, It's, it's, it's really troubling as you go through step-by-step. Dennis, your thoughts? I just think the grand jury is truly a joke. That's just, that's my point of view. Uh, And we're talking about how, you know, you got the prosecutor, grand jury, no defense, and whatever, whatever he says is gold. And what happened to these guys were truly an injustice. And it shows that our justice system is broke. It needs to be fixed. Uh, when there's only one side to the story or one side of the story heard, of course, you only come up with one, one answer. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. But uh, I'm truly glad that we're, we're having this show to show people that this justice system that they think is the world's greatest, is actually the world's worst. And how do we fix it? The only way we fix it, I mean, people have to cry out. I mean, more people have to get mad. It's sad to say this, uh, and and really, hopefully this never happens, but more people uh, need, to, need to be affected by this justice system. Because what it is, you got a lot of people looking out, and, and, and we were talking on the other show how the stories, the news stories, they, they, they'll they say real quick, man exonerated, uh, 55 years in prison, wrongfully convicted, boom, that's it. Nothing else is said. So until we, until America gets mad and until, until it starts happening to other people, that's when I think we'll start seeing a change because it starts affecting more people. I mean, get it out there like AJC Radio was doing. Let people know
5: there's a problem with our justice system.
1: And William, you're the...
5: Well, I think, you know, we have, we've had a couple of shows that we talked about accountability. And I think that's the one thing that needs to happen. Right now we have prosecutors, we have judges that are acting on their own own agenda, and there's no ramifications for their actions. You know, so when you do see years like 2016, 2017, when we saw record, uh, record exonerations, we have seeing people that, you know, spent, as Dennis pointed out, a significant amount of their lives behind bars that were basically released, and it was, it, was, it was almost like it was meaningless because basically they were released. People weren't sorry for what happened. They didn't take responsibility for what happened. In some of the cases, they, we, they knew they were sitting on evidence and things like that. We, we've heard all manner of things that have happened that, that led to wrongful convictions. But until the people that were instrumental in making these convictions happen, until we hold them accountable, absolutely, you know that's that's the thing. It's so it's, so it's like anything else, you know. If until we understand there's a risk involved in our decisions, then when that when we have that element, that makes us think about where we're going. What we yeah. you know think twice, cut once type of mentality. But
1: no, the I'm issue real- the issue you have is that. <laughs> People simply do not care. The legal system is now big business. That's true. It has nothing to do with what's right or wrong, justice or injustice, guilty or innocent. It has turned into an enterprise. That's true. That is tragic. When that when that crosses over from legal
5: to profit,
1: you have a problem because a lot of people are getting paid. How many deals are done? How many people are convicted? How many judges act the way federal judge Christina Arguello did that can get a paycheck behind closed doors to do such a thing? That is a reality. There's TV shows everywhere depicting this very act constantly. Somebody's getting paid. The prosecutor's getting paid. The jury is getting paid. Man, big business outrules anything, Sad to say. But that's the country in which we live in,
6: Dimitris. Yeah, well, to your point, Mon, you asked the question on how we can make people accountable. Well, to to, to William and Dennis' point, if
1: you spend 27 years and it's found out that you have sat on evidence, uh, evidence well, put that judge, prosecutor in the same amount of time. I I I, I'm, I know.
5: Yeah, I'm just thinking this is this is utopia, right? Uh, but again, to, there has to be something to say. You need to be punished, uh, forget the uh uh immunity I and mean, all that stuff to say, no, you you set on evidence you're gonna get ten to fifteen years. Then then if that was law, if we just said snap our fingers and that was law,
1: I promise you you'll still have some judges and uh, DAs that still don't care, but then you will have people at willing willing point, they're gonna stop and say, Wait a minute, I'm not gonna do this because I could spend time based off of getting that time to the uh the person that was wrong convicted." Uh,
7: yeah, um, you know, the American people have been uh, in every generation, Hollywood. Right? I mean, from you know early days of television, even up until the present day, we're in the 21st century, where you see Law and Order, and you see all of these Hollywood portrayals of what they think is the law. None of that stuff is true. I mean, and they don't know it. They don't. They're not taught in school, unless you go to law school. Even attorneys, when they graduate from law school, until you have some serious decades in the industry, um, you don't realize that, you know, the government can indict a ham sandwich, and then people go to jail, they turn the law into anything they want, want to do uh, with it. So there's a lot of ignorance out there, and people just don't know uh, the facts, you know, until you enter into that courtroom, until you've been indicted, until you go through the process yourself, you really don't know what's gonna, what to expect or what's going to go on. What you think you're going to expect, none of that stuff is true.
1: Oh, absolutely right. And we're going to come back with other comments from our other co-hosts. Uh, we're going to take a break really quick. On the other side of this break, we kick off this journey of the IRP-5. Feel free to dial in the night to 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, the journey to the steps of injustice by the IRP-5. That journey continues after this.
7: This is AJC Radio. Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and desperate for attention. Attention
8: from older guys is totally flattering. There's so much more mature and understanding than the guy's mind. Age
7: actually works to my advantage. They like to brag to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really
8: interested. in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever.
9: That's the best thing about
7: chatting. chatting. seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other. Other
9: people don't
8: understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with Meeting,
7: meeting them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well, that's when things get really interesting.
10: Online predators know what they're doing. Do
8: you? <laughs> I surrender, I
0: surrender.
8: All right, Tom. Get ready for
0: your day, buddy.
8: Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. we have a gun? What's
0: up? we have a gun? Why do you ask that, kiddo?
8: Can I play with it? No.
11: No, absolutely not. It's not a toy. You know that. Do I?
8: I bet it looks like
11: one. Yeah, well, it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you, your sister and mom. From what? From bad guys.
6: Like on TV. But
8: what about the eight kids who got shot every day by mistake? Their guys probably thought they were safe, too. Where'd you hear that? TV.
11: Yeah, well, maybe we don't believe everything we hear on TV. Where do you
8: keep it?
11: <laughs> it's hidden.
8: I bet it's on the top shelf for the closet, under your sweatshirts. Is it loaded?
12: It's not. I, I keep the bullets... In
8: the boots with the red bases and the chest beside the bed? I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can. You always told me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gifts? I'm a good climber, you know.
11: No. No, that's not what I meant. Look, I, I need to be ready if someone breaks in.
8: So what about when it's just me and Mom? You got me to be brave. I could use a gun to protect her.
11: No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old enough.
8: What if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun.
13: Our gun? No, buddy. My gun.
8: But it is our gun. In our home. Happens all the time.
13: I'll make sure that doesn't happen. I'm always here for you.
8: But, Dad... You're not always here.
13: Temperatures, we should reach our level five, about eighty two degrees by this afternoon.
14: Clear skies tonight with a low here seven. Increasing cloudiness, more sticky and
13: humid
10: with a higher. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? Or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
15: Mass incarceration means that we've got a very high rate of incarceration historically, comparatively. And the other thing is, the rate of incarceration is so high, so socially concentrated, we're no longer incarcerating the individual, but we're incarcerating whole social groups. The rate of incarceration now is about five times higher than it was historically. Historically, it was 100 per 100,000. Now, it's about 500 per 100,000. If we look at prison, if we add jail to that, it's about 700 per 100,000. Nowhere in the world incarcerates as much as we do. We've seen extremely high rates of exposure to the criminal justice system for African-American men with very low levels of schooling. So if we think about black men who were born in the late 1970s, and who are growing up through the American prison boom of the 1980s and the 1990s, The chances that they're going to serve time in state or federal prison if they dropped out of high school is about 70%. So going to prison for that group of black men with very low levels of schooling, that's become a normal life event. That's really only happened in the last 10 years. We're at this point now where there's about 1.2 million African-American children with a parent who's incarcerated. That's about one in nine. The research shows... The kids who experience parental incarceration it has diminished school achievement. They have behavioural problems, depressive symptoms, acting out. And there's also evidence that these kinds of negative effects associated with parental incarceration are concentrated more among boys than among girls. And there's a very real risk here that incarceration becomes an inherited trait. The underlying issue is we've chosen prison as a way to respond to To that problem of crime. And there are a whole variety of ways that we could have chosen to respond to that problem of crime. We've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty, and we've chosen the response of the deprivation of liberty for a historically aggrieved group whose liberty in the United States was never firmly established to begin with.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. Uh, as we get into this discussion, uh, now we are at the second grand jury that had been convened for the IRP-5, uh, and we're going we're gonna to walk down that road right now. David, give us a little bit of an introduction when this began to happen, where well, we picked off from last week, picked up from last week. Now we're getting to another bite at the apple if you will, by the government of the United States to try to bring, because no indictment came, if I'm not mistaken, after the first grand jury. Is that correct? That is correct. Which means there was nothing there anyway. But now, again, another flaw in our system. Why do you have the right to come back and get a second bite of that? If it failed the first time and you could not get an indictment... It's not double jeopardy, but it should be the language of double jeopardy should attach to that, that you look, you didn't get it done the first time, you shouldn't be able to get it done the second time.
6: Well, yeah, but that's, that's not likely to change the uh, the reality is uh, prosecutors, they changed their approach before the grand jury. They actually brought people in who worked at the company, including one of the executives, uh the truth was told, and they couldn't get an indictment so that was in two thousand seven fast forward to two thousand nine what the f b i did uh and you'd have to understand what went on at the first grand jury and the lying and the uh, the various theories that were put out to attack the church or you used where we worship as as a uh as a sword or, or what did they tried to uh manipulate a theory with the church and manufacture a theory that we were laundering money through the church. Uh, obviously, they, they gained a- legal access to bank records through that. They couldn't uh, prove anything, and they were exposed through that process. So uh, the junior FBI agent that they had in the first grand jury, they took him off and brought in a senior, a senior agent and liar, And that was the only person that they called before the grand jury. I believe his name was Moen. Is that correct? Uh, Agent Moen, Special Agent Moen. And the prosecutor who controls all of the grand jury, and that's his grand jury, his process, he can present whatever evidence he wanted to present. So this time, instead of calling witnesses from the company, he decided he was only going to... Call an FBI agent to to guarantee that he gets an indictment uh, because the evidence wasn't there. So the, the the FBI agent had to come in, pretty much lie, manipulate the facts and the evidence, and then ultimately he got a grand jury. Now that was in May of 2009 that uh, the grand jury came back with an indictment, but. Uh, we we briefly touched on the indictment last week that said that uh, the government alleged that we made false statements about having a current or impending contract with law enforcement. Well, in, two, in 2008 and early 2009, months before, uh, before the indictment, we actually were negotiating a contract, as we spoke about last week, with the city of Philadelphia and the Philadelphia Office of the Inspector General. So right before, as we're getting ready to close that business, uh, the prosecutor calls the inspector general, which was a former uh, assisting U.S. attorney or U.S. attorney, I can't remember right now, but was there was a federal prosecutor, and told uh, them that an indictment was coming, therefore scuttling our business with the Philadelphia and making his false charges self-fulfilling prophecy where he could uh, actually support these false charges by making sure we didn't gain any business. Great. And
1: That was an attempt to, uh, again, we talked last week him leaving the role of
16: prosecutor, right?
1: Uh, and now you're, you're, again, the conviction, um, nothing. You haven't been convicted of a crime at this point. What gives you the right to say, well, something may be coming down, but you're still not convicted? But, Which means you are out of line.
6: But that shows you, uh, again, I think we briefly touched on this last week, how people, just because you're indicted now, innocent or proven guilty, it proves that it doesn't exist. Right. And it proves that everybody in this country knows it doesn't exist, or they would have continued to do business with us, irrespective of the investigation. Well, if, if, it, if something comes up, then we'll, we'll have to uh, do that. But the government's goal was to scuttle our business. So and now we move into the indictment, uh, stressing that only an FBI agent was called and no other witnesses to guarantee an indictment.
13: Mm-hmm. So the government
6: gets an indictment in May 20, in May, in May 20 May, May, late May of 2009. And we're actually served with that sometime in early June of 2009. We received summons. They came to our homes, issued summons for us to appear in court based on, and that we had been indicted and had to appear in court to be arraigned, et cetera. So that's where we're at right now, uh, leading into court proceedings. Now, did they come to your home with the summons to appear? Yes, they
1: did. And that was all the RP5. I'm going to go around real quick and ask you guys, what crossed your mind at that moment when they showed up at your door? David, I'll start with you. Uh, to give you a summons that you have been indicted.
6: I really, you don't really know what to think. You um, you you you're expecting that you'll go to court. You have the evidence on your side. Obviously, you're shocked. You don't know why you're being indicted. Uh, and when you look at the indictment, uh, it was definitely a a shocking situation on what the government was actually alleging. So all you can say is that that, that you're shocked, but because you abide by the law, you just pretty much okay. I'll have to show up to court and 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 you go to court. Um, and that was just my experience. Obviously, it starts to uh, just starts to stay on your mind after it happened until we actually had to go to court and be arraigned, and then that process is obviously pretty. It's a pretty daunting situation to go in the United States of America against you for for something you know you didn't do. And so it's uh, it's just really hard to explain. Yeah,
1: I remember, I think it was June 13th. Uh, the thing that the most troubling thing about that, I had two FBI agents come to my door and they were laughing. So this is, this is someone being charged or alleged on something and they think it's a joke. This is funny. You know someone's life, so again, this was our introduction into the world of this so called justice system. Two FBI agents with a gun laughing, snickering. they were laughing when they came to your house. yeah, said yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know why we're here see and, and and I said, yeah, I do know i I took the papers, but so these are supposed to be professional, these are supposed to be uh uh people of the law, and they're sitting here laughing. Oh. Uh, about an all- a- allegation that well, th- well, the whole process is is a joke to them. This isn't serious that uh we're taking somebody's life. That is the arrogance of the exactly, of the FBI uh to the of the government of the United States, uh the US attorney, this is protocol. Uh that we got uh, these darkies
3: uh we got them by the neck. And that's what it came down to. Dave were But when you look at it, you don't know what's going to happen. We've never been through this before. Are they going to put you in handcuffs and take you to the court at that time? You just don't know. When the FBI agent came to my house, it was one agent. He had on a sport coat, but he made sure the sport coat was open and hooked around his gun so that you could see the gun. And it was an intimidation factor. And I opened the door because I saw him coming. And when he had the papers, I took the papers out of his hand. And is, is there anything else? No, but you've been served. He's like, well, there you go. And and closed the door because we knew this was ha- this was happening because we saw it in the newspaper the day before. And an indictment was coming down? That an indictment had come down, yes. So you knew this was the next steps of what was happening? Yes.
7: Clint? Yeah, it is uh, numbing uh, because it took four years for this. The the occasion that you're asking about, you know, when we got indicted, it took four years from the time of the raid, the the, the first shock in all situation, where 22, 23 uh, investigators, you know, barge into the building, uh, until this actually happens. They serve you with the papers uh, that you're indicted. Four years. So, and during that four years, they have multiple theories that they're trying to arrange against you. I think it was something like five different criminal theories. Uh, first, it was money laundering, and they couldn't prove that with the first grand jury. Then it was uh, something else, and I think they used national security letters to actually get the bank statements, you know. Uh which still done illegally. Which was done illegally. So uh, national security letters, like we're terrorists or somebody, okay? So it's a numbing situation, and that the years, the intervening years are intended to you know, total befuddle and confuse you, and leave you to the point where you don't know what to do. You don't know what what's actually going on. And to meet's point, where they're snickering and laughing, they know that you don't know uh, about the process, and that you're totally blindsided, and you're at a complete disadvantage with ignorance. The process is secret, and you don't know really what to expect. But it's it's totally unfair to the to the to the citizens.
5: William. You know, you, I'm sitting here listening to this, and you, you realize real quick, we talked about the weaponizing of, the, of our justice system. And that's what you hear. You hear this, this they weaponized the FBI to come to these guys' door to intimidate them. And, and, and to Clint's point, you know, you waited four years to put together this propaganda and theory. And then you, then you once you think you have something, then you unleash these dogs you know and people need to wake up to understand this this is justice that is bought and sold that's all it is i mean because when you can literally say you unleash the fbi to go after these guys to go after this company to go after their product that's what happened here and i don't care how you look at it the bottom line is is that this is the justice system that we've seen today and so when Demetrius was describing it, David was describing it immediately, that's what – that was the thought that came to my mind because we, we've we seen it, but you weaponized the FBI to go after these guys. That's all it was.
4: Um, I read this online that says, after indictment, can you beat an indictment? And it says the federal conviction rate is over 95%. And it says uh, people need to face the reality that the pro- prosecutors have significant resources and many advantages in the criminal justice process. And the advantages are lie, steal, do whatever you want to do to get a conviction. So, again, like I said before, they try to leave you with no hope. So well, the advantage is, too, I can bring you to the grand jury twice if I want.
6: Well, can they go more than twice? Yes, they can. If they go too many times, you can argue that's a vindictive prosecution, uh, but one thing, one thing you must realize is that they, like William said, the whole process is fear and intimidation. And let me make no mistake, and you'll find this out through trial the government will cheat, lie, cheat, steal, do whatever it takes to get you on the other side of a conviction. And that's how the process works. There is, duplicity in every aspect of a criminal prosecution from the agents to uh the prosecutors they do stuff even at trial to uh throw stuff out there so the jury can hear it as as if they can put it back uh, you can't put that back in, that genie back in the bottle so they heard it it influences juries and they cheat and they do all this stuff and you haven't heard heard, heard the uh the least of it until we really uh,
2: get Get into into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, just listen to everything that's been going on. I mean, you're hearing basically the railroad system that is, you know, this quote unquote legal system here. I mean, as William said, I mean, they've weaponized every branch of law enforcement that is out there in the nation. They down to your local, you know, police departments, they're, they're all in on the cut in some way, shape, form, or fashion, because the fact of the matter is, is there's no money in rehabilitation there's no money in doing the right thing there is no money in justice they've monetized the system and the fact of the matter is is it comes down to the almighty dollar if they can fill beds and make money off of that then that's what they're going to do when you hear about it you hear how these gentlemen had the the evidence on their side they wouldn't let dave Zapolo come back into uh to do um i think with with his binder to to testify with that because it had condemning evidence Against their case, they had to just conjure up, you know. So, I mean, yeah, when you when it all boils down to brass tacks, yes, these these men had created something that was completely valuable to the government, and they wanted it. They wanted it so bad that they're willing to sacrifice five men, you know, to to get what they wanted. It, it, it all boils down to the almighty dollar. No, without question. Um, let's play
1: a clip really quick of the drama that took place that unfolded, the, the families, people affected in a state of shock of what was going on. And that was because the belief of the system was everything was kosher until it dropped in our backyard. Let's take a listen.
0: Some people think that business
1: is a game. And what we have learned is that
6: business actually is War.
13: My name
17: is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My
14: business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom.
18: When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me.
14: I think it's still strange. It absolutely
9: makes no sense. Is this strange. Really? Real? Is this happening? Mm. And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart.
19: Justice is not fair anymore. They
18: say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they
15: want to convict and who they want to free.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men
0: get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question? Where is justice? It's far away.
1: They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. uh,
4: Um, It became very clear that the court appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, And it it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly
20: hear in the news. Every week, you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. There you have it. Tough questions in need
16: for
1: answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where
6: is she? Is this happening in America? The American dream has turned into a nightmare. Crying
0: children left behind. As a result of a corrupt system and corruption, we will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers. As justice lays idle
16: in the streets of America, we look for the answer.
1: Well, there you have it—the uh, shock effect, if you will, of all that went down. Uh, it demands answers. It demands people to be held accountable, a hundred and ten percent for what
2: they have done. Uh, that's
1: critical. Uh, Samson, go ahead.
2: No, just thinking about it. It's like one of the one of the key problems here is that these people are allowed to govern themselves. They make their own rules that apply to them. They make their own rules that apply to their constituencies and to their buddies and to everything else. So when something happens, when something goes down, that's why you hear about the blue wall. That's why you hear about all these different things because they're ultimately covering for one another. The fact is that it just like you know we have Senate and Congress, they get to vote on how much they get paid. These people get vote on. They get to vote on the rules that actually apply to them. They get all this immunity and for what? Because the fact is they know they're going to go out there and do dirt. They know that a good percentage – I'm not saying all of them – a good percentage of law enforcement, quote-unquote professionals, are getting paid under the table to go do something and beat somebody's agenda. If there was an external agency that could govern these people, which we know we'll probably never see in our lifetime, if ever, then the, then it would be different. Uh, like one of the things that we were discussing during one of the breaks, if somebody was wrong, wrongfully – convicted and the judge was in on it if a judge had to serve a sentence based on the sentence that they doled out i guarantee some people would change their minds but there's no consequence when they get it wrong there's no consequence when they throw away some somebody's life there's no consequence when they sacrifice five people to again to further an agenda there is no consequence for their actions
6: no absolutely
2: and i want to uh
6: i want to actually just there are mistake, actual, real mistakes made by some prosecutors. But what you'll find is they'll tell they'll tell the average citizen, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uh, so if you broke the law um, just because you were ignorant of it, is no excuse. You're still going to get prosecuted and sent to prison. So the fact that you a person had no intent of breaking the law, and this, which was not in our case, we didn't break the law. Period. Uh, but they had intent. They had intent, and and their stuff is inten- this stuff was intentional. There's only one right. conclusion as you listen to what happened, uh, as we get into more of the facts. The stuff was intentional. That this was not uh, a mistake or a prosecutor getting it wrong, and and even if they get it wrong, even defense attorneys they're not gonna ever admit to wrongdoing. It's not. It's not the government's way. They will never admit to wrongdoing. And and one final note, if if I want people to really think about it, how many times have you have you heard of an accusation by a citizen against a, a defendant or against a judge by a defendant against a judge or a A federal judge or prosecutor. You hear about stuff on the on the on the on the streets with the police and all this other type of stuff, but you never hear. Of a judge, every now and then, it's usually at the state. I've never heard hardly heard of anything at the federal level. It happened initially at the federal level when Congressman
1: Sensenbrenner and Conyers, Senator uh, Congressman Conyers, uh, actually brought charges up on a judge, uh, and he was he was disbarred well, from, he, from he, the Senate. From well, the Senate he was Congress impeached, to but to in many brief.
6: cases, this is for uh, bad personal behavior, yeah. not not exactly what they did to. An average citizen, because average citizens really don't matter that much. Uh, no matter how egregious the actions and the misconduct of a judge or prosecutor, they do it to uh, a higher, uh, a higher class official or somewhere along, or a higher class person. Then it, it has political benefit in, in, in many instances. But for, for, for a better
1: word. It's not the norm to go after. They are isolated instances where those Congress people went after this particular judge. It is far in between.
6: And it's usually some sort of political motivation Mm -hmm. behind it. It's rare. I I don't know if you can find a case where Congress impeached a judge for something they did to an average citizen. Because in reality, the average citizen never gets hurt. All of, all of that stuff just gets pushed under the rug. It's, it's never reported by the media. And Congress, oh, well, he must have done something wrong. That's because, that's because he's average Joe and has no money.
3: So, Dave, go ahead.
6: Well, when you look at it, we've said it before.
3: There are no consequences behind these actions. I mean, I'm i looking at an article right now. A man was wrongly imprisoned for 44 years, and the state gave him That's about $17,000 for every year the man was in prison. Comes out to what? Somebody do the math on that. $17,000 a year. But what is that, a month, a week? Oh,
2: you're Uh, talking less than $1,500 a month,
3: which comes down to less than minimum wage. Right, less than minimum wage. And you look at that and you see this man lost his life 44 years. That's over half his life. He He's probably, because he spent time in prison, not going to live to be 100 years old. He's not going to live to be 88. You know he didn't go in the day he was born. So right. let's say he went in at 20 years old. He's 64 years old when he gets out. Here's 750000 That might get you through the rest of your life, which
6: may be another five years because prison takes life away from you. And And Lamont, you need to look at your case. 25 instances of prosecutor misconduct and they, yep. they still told you after a not guilty verdict yep. that uh, that well, doesn't mean he didn't do it. It's, look, if a jury convicts you,
1: the first thing out of people's mouth is, oh, he did, you were convicted by a jury. That's That's golden. Can't walk it back. But if a jury finds you not guilty
6: after being found, guilty.
1: after being found,
6: not not guilty, after right? being found guilty, then they come back and say 25 uh, instances of prosecutor misconduct. Yes. And was, the case was a fraud and all this other type of stuff. Yep. And they can vote you not guilty. You don't get compensated. You don't know, was just a joke, because
1: when I did the math, it came to be about. Ten dollars and eighty four cents an hour for the seven years I spent. Wrongfully convicted. But they put this number out there, like, look, man, you're gonna get this amount of money for every year. Do the math. But and I'm gonna tell you, there is no price tag. Thank you. There's no price tag for life and liberty lost by that. You're right. You can't get it back. No amount of money is gonna give it back. And then you do the bare minimum. And when when the law passed, Governor Hickenlooper was in office. And we did this to say to those long, those wrongfully convicted, we care.
3: That's a lie. That's political right. speak, political speak. It's right. all it when, you, when you look at his law, because I remember looking it up, mm-hmm. it actually says in there. I don't know how they would enforce this, that the money that they supply to the wrongly convicted had to be spent in Colorado.
1: Yeah, that was a, a stipulation on it. Uh, this, this look, guys. It's a joke to the people of America listening to this stuff. Do not get caught up in this legal system, because I'm telling you, you better run as fast as you can away from it, because it is a dagger to the heart. Not only to the, those that deal with that here in the state of Colorado, but what the RP5 suffered for nothing, for absolutely doing nothing wrong. They made it appear so egregious, and they were the conspirators in the entire matter. Officers of the court, judges, prosecutors, you name it, the corruption was clear. We pick this back up on the other side of the break. Feel free to dial in 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
10: Did you
2: know that over 1.5 million children in America have parents who are incarcerated?
13: These
4: children cope with the pain
16: through drugs, alcohol,
4: anger, and violence. It
16: is so important. so important. It is so important for communities to provide preventative and intervention services. Don't make them do it alone.
13: Become a part of the community. Community.
18: The
5: community. Become a part of
18: the
11: community.
7: He must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong
11: is one of the most important things a man can
7: do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council.
9: There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleaproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you.
12: You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on, their priorities, their concerns and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say that prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the ten biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true. Tens of billions more. The more they spend, the clearer it becomes. Big pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org.
16: How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit?
0: Of the remaining
16: 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in China Sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2000 exonerations may seem small in the nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio 646 200 0628. 646 200 0628 is the number to call in to chime in on the IRP 5 journey. Uh, I'll tell you what troubling information, troubling conduct,
11: troubling
1: actions uh, taken in this case uh, by the government of the United States and officers that are. Uh, part of that system as we begin to get into the next steps of the journey of the R.P. 5. Uh, David, do you want to go down the road into uh, what next
6: as we begin to progressively move forward here? Well, obviously, we ju- we just discussed uh, the indictment. So I want to the listeners need to know what the government alleged uh, generally in the indictment and the, the critical area. The government alleged, and this is reading from the indictment, I'll substitute the names, the, the IRP-5 IRP defendants induce staffing companies to enter into business arrangements, in other words, sign contracts, by making false representations that they had large, current, or impending contracts with one or more large government agencies. Now, if you look at that, um nobody lends it so basically we duped alleged the government led we duped staffing companies that we falsely represented that we had a contract with a large federal agency. Well, that's equivalent to somebody duping a company into hiring them by saying they had a job that pays five hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's let's just Put, put that in context well or somebody lent you money or gave you uh even better example some somebody a creditor extended you credit based on the fact that you told them that you had a job to pay five hundred thousand dollars a year well they're going to check the, the the customary thing to do is to check credit to see if the person and to do background uh credit credit, and background checks, bank checks. Uh, if you got 500,000, you make $500,000 a year, we can, they can verify that. The businesses, the staffing companies you were doing business with, they perform credit checks and they perform bank checks. So they don't lend money, banks don't lend money based on a statement you make to them. You can't go into a bank and say, well, I'm, I'm here to get a personal loan for $100,000, I make 500,000 a year. The bank's going to say, well, let us run your credit. So that's exactly what happened in the business. So the government decided that they were going to, because we had accumulated debt with, with these staffing companies, and based on the fact that we were anticipating a contract with the federal agency, they spun this narrative that we had made false statements and induced them into extending us credit. How do you do that?
1: When the decision is based upon what the bank does and the staffing company.
6: Well, it went and in trial, you'll find out as we get into that. The each company said their credit departments made determination. The, the individuals who we had even spoken to were not the decision makers. The credit departments made the decision based on credit review, and they had also admitted that. Yeah, we were a risky, all small businesses are risky propositions, but it was said that uh, we take those type of risks because we might miss out on the next Microsoft. So the way staffing companies do business, they have a portfolio of uh, accounts that they may have. Some are higher risk, some are medium risk, and then you got the real big company, which, which are low risk. So they still make their money, but they say, no, we'll go ahead and take a chance on this company. We'll extend them credit will payroll uh, their people and anticipate that they're going to get paid on a monthly basis for the hours worked by all the employees. So that's what they did. So in reality, employees work submitted time sheets to their company to get paid. This, this is, this is, this is what, so each employee would have had to have for what the government said we owed we duped them out of, well, the employees submitted the timesheet. We would sign the timesheet, obviously, as, as being executives in the company and managers in the company. But they said they worked those hours. They submitted a timesheet to their company and got paid. The money that uh, from the, the staffing went directly to the staffing company's own employees which is why the government at the beginning of the trial said, well, nobody got, fat, nobody got, none of these defendants got wealthy from this. We can't get wealthy when other people are being paid directly into their own, employees are being paid directly into their bank accounts and written checks for the hours they work. But we got, uh, they told us, well, if we hadn't a duped these companies, these people wouldn't have got paid. Well, we didn't fill out this stuff. This is, okay. this is the bizarre theory of the government that was presented in at trial with all sorts of uh, poisonous things and, and splicing, slicing, and splicing of words that, to make make it look like there was something untoward going on. But this dupe word
1: that they were
6: duped or tricked or fooled
1: is completely ridiculous. Because if I make a decision as a bank to take the risk, the risk of any loans or any monies that are given out, you, you take risk. There's no guarantees a, a startup company is going to take off, but we are kind of believing uh, we want to give you a shot. It happens every day in business, new companies, startups. It happens every day. Some make it. Some don't. Others don't. Some make it halfway. Then they fall off. Some skyrocket. You can't dupe that. It's the facts are what the facts are. You guys had a product that was manageable enough that, again, the uh, police department in Philadelphia was interested in getting into it. Uh, It was the inspector general's office.
6: Yes, we were working contracts with both of them. Not only that, the Department of Homeland Security and NYPD, and as well as Clinton had mentioned last week, Other small sales that were already uh, that we had already sold the small product. So we had a viable product as as one of the, the our law enforcement federal agents consultants told and sent a letter to the FBI was also listed
1: in a police production magazine.
6: Yeah, both law enforcement technology and police magazine ran articles on the software from the IRP5. Yeah, and we have those articles. Viable yeah. software. And, and they actually reviewed the product and got demonstrations of the product. And did they not go
1: further to include that in textbook training?
6: That's correct. We were, our it software was.
1: was
6: yeah, did. we were in a college textbook training, criminal Manual. investigations textbook. For our software that, that, that actually, yeah, how to Was do it. Any of this given to the jury?
1: Again, Lamont, think, keep and think one thing in mind to David's point. This information, Judge Arguello made it very clear she did not want any of it. She's told us on several occasions that it will not be allowed. And even when we tried during trial to admit it into evidence, she, she would uh, say it sustained and say,
7: no, that will not allow that. And why? Because it makes us look innocent.
1: Well well to a no, jury you we were innocent. To yeah. a jury but no, but the perception yeah. is is to a jury allowed this information, so many pending right. business, so much stuff in the works, the average person can identify with that.
6: But but Lamont, you have to realize one thing. The prosecutor was provided with all of this information up front and we submitted a proper offer of proof and we provided all of this evidence to the prosecutor. They knew what was going on at the company. They knew we had met that that the NYPD uh, was pursuing the product. They knew the Department of Homeland Security was pursuing the product. Philadelphia Police Department was pursuing the product as well as many others. Uh, Closing business with a government agency is not easy sometimes due to the bureaucracy and the things you have to go through, Um, which honestly created us being extending ourselves further than we really wanted to be extended from a credit perspective. It makes absolutely
13: no sense.
1: This is a viable organization. Men with no criminal records of any kind hired FB, former FBI law enforcement individuals to build this software, to look at this software. The government says, go back, let's put a government face on this.
6: Let's do this.
1: Nobody else in the industry
6: could touch this
1: software.
6: And uh, one quick note we hired three former senior level federal agents, retired during the time the government says we were engaged in this criminal activity see that fact alone that criminals would bring the fbi and federal agents into their business during the time that they're committing a crime is is by itself proof of innocence because no criminal would actually do that and then as Judge Serakin pointed out in his analysis, and we'll be getting into some of that, too, uh, why would our target of our fraud, this alleged fraud, the government says, be against law enforcement? Who does that?
7: Yeah, And let's not forget the Department of Homeland Security that you mentioned before did their due diligence over a two-year period. And after the Space Warfare Center saw the demonstration of the actual software on a webinar— demonstrated. They called Homeland Security. Homeland Security called us said, we want to see the same demonstration. After they did their due diligence, they said, you guys be sure when we send over the one page form of sole source justification, be sure and fill that out. That way there are no competition for other vendors. We have done our homework. It's been two years that we've been searching for this. The sales that you have Demonstrations that we see the sole source justification for your company and your company alone Who to provide now Department of Homeland Security, Stephen Cooper, okay? Our budget is a billion dollars. What do you uh we want a formal quotation from your company on a sole source justification for this software. So we all of these things were in the proffer.
6: This is proof that was provided a legitimate to the company Walsh, to Absolutely. Uh, US attorney of Colorado at the time, John Walsh, and an Obama appointee, and he was Obama's boy, and we'll get into... uh, We'll get
1: into that. ...more
6: into that a little later, because Obama was aware, so we'll get some more into that.
1: Okay, and uh, H. Lee Sarakin had some things to say uh, in regards to the inconceivable acts in the RP-5 case. And you
6: want to introduce uh, Federal Judge H. Lee Sarakin was a former federal judge for the 3rd U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals who reviewed the case uh, and actually told us, if I find anything you lied to me about, I'm off. He never found anything we lied about, and ultimately he was very critical of the government and the courts in this case for how it was handled.
1: And this is Judge Hurricane, known for the Hurricane Carter. Yeah, he overturned the triple murder conviction
6: of Hurricane Carter, I believe it was in the 80s.
14: Okay, let's play the clip. Federal Judges. Please. I think an appellate court would do one of two things. They'd either order that the transcript be produced uh, or they'd have to reverse. You know, it would baffles me as to why anyone would deny that motion. Um, it's inconceivable to me that a judge would say, no, you can't have the record of this trial. It's inconceivable to me in this day and age in the federal court, particularly in Colorado, by the way, which I think has has sort of advanced when it comes to computers, that they don't have an alternate way uh, to maintain the, the record. And uh, the fact that the court reporter doesn't have it or hasn't typed it up, um, as everybody says, is inconceivable. So there's... This record exists somewhere, um, yes. and and for some reason the, they're resisting producing it. Uh, I think is a fair inference, and that's why that particular segment of the testimony of the transcript is so important. Because if if that weren't the contention, and there's something missing, appellate court is liable to say, well, unless there's some prejudicial error involved, what difference does it make? But this is so critical that that's why they want it, and that's what the big question is about, and legitimately
1: so. Well, there you have it. And just a piece of uh, some of the infractions, if you will, made by the court. This was a missing transcript where the violation of law took place, is what is what Federal Judge H. Lee Sherrickin is referencing, which was Called uh, missing the missing transcripts that were yes. missing. and, and we'll explain that.
6: We're going to get deeper into that. Um, but an incident happened in court where, and we had represented ourselves, and we have to get into why we fired our attorneys in the same room on the same day. We'll get into that. But what Judge Serrakin was referencing was the fact that Judge Arguello was accused by us every defendant of every IRP defendant of forcing us to testify against our will. And pretty much you made the statement that if you're not willing to testify, I will rest your case. In other words, you're not going to be able to put on any type of defense unless you agree to testify. It's a threat. it's, It's coercion. At the worst level where a federal judge is taking your Fifth Amendment right and forcing you to the stand, it was a shocking and very, uh, I can't even explain how just demoralizing it was to be abused by a judge like that. And then we asked for the transcript because this happened during a sidebar during trial. We asked for the transcript. She claimed she was going to produce it and never produced it then ultimately what she produced her exact statement that we said she made during the sidebar was missing, which was also confirmed by another federal judge, our Brooke Jackson, who may be retired right now. He said, and held, it said, for some reason, this statement that the defendant is actually missing from the transcript. So the, it, all, everything else around it is there, but Judge Arguello's statement is missing from the transcript. So what does that tell you? It is a conspiracy, uh, the, and the prosecutors were there during the sidebar. They stayed silent. Judge mench, uh spoke about that, mm-hmm. and the court reporter, uh, when we came back to uh, ask her if she was supposed to produce it, she was in the judge's chambers when we came back to court to get that transcript. One of the grossest, constitutional violations uh that you can imagine and the government and the courts completely covered it up and judge serekin spoke about the appellate court and their responsibility and what their responsibility was well they they went ultimately the 10th circuit court of appeals ultimately went with uh they backed judge arguello in her corrupt act. And we were uh, uh, shipped off, shipped off to prison. prison. And they and one thing in mind to
1: that day, as David's talking, I'm reflecting back. Before that happened, this was before lunch, before we were whispering because we we're keeping our voices down, the Darlene Martinez had made mention. Who she, is Darlene, Darlene Martinez? Darlene Martinez
5: is the court reporter. She makes mention, could you guys please speak up because I cannot hear you. This was before before the I will rest your
1: case. So in essence, we had to speak up, so we had to elevate our voice, the judge, the prosecutor, and the uh, defendants there that day. So again, you keep in mind that this is – we are speaking up louder, and now she says – and then we come back from court. She says, I don't know the exact language, but I said, but the, our courter may have had her our headphones off. Well, how are you looking at her when you are speaking on our uh, – telling her that you arrest our case? She's making up all these excuses, and when – to David's point, when we ask for those transcripts, oh, they'll be forthcoming. And again, to that point, we
6: never got it with those,
1: those outstanding Keep in issues. mind,
6: we'll get into whether the clerk's office, the prosecutor, and all the various machinations that went through, that went on to make sure we didn't get that transcript. I'm talking back to the point where it was lost at one point it was destroyed. Right. Uh, I don't know. They, I thought they just said, uh, maybe the judge's dog ate it. They didn't say that, but it wouldn't have been shocking if they actually said that because they did so much to try to deprive us of a court record, a transcript. Well,
1: the reason the effort was put into denying that, it would have shut the case
6: down. And it would have implicated the judge in a gross... And there's a reason the prosecutor stayed silent. He was at the sidebar. So when we were accusing the judge of this, the prosecutor stayed silent.
1: We'll deal with that, folks. Look, this is troubling. How how does all of this happen? Violation after violation after violation of rights. Five men fighting for their lives. And for what reason? They didn't do anything wrong. But you have a judge that crossed the line of law. It's no other way to put it. We continue the journey of the RP five after this. This is AJC Radio.
8: There's a lot of mud when it rains here and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because they don't speak the language. It might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words.
11: The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. 10 years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years. but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post 1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
1: back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, the dial-in number to AJC Radio, and tonight we are in very troubling waters, if you will, of the justice system in the case of the IRP-5. Uh, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, you heard a little bit from H. Lee Serican Federal Judge H. Lee Serican um, this is mind boggling. Uh, as we sat here on break, we just kind of shook our heads to ask the question how does this happen? Violation after violation. To these men, David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, and Clinton Stewart went through a huge You don't have the correct adjectives to express the anger, the troubling that I feel as an advocate for the actions of this court, ultimately resulting in eight years
6: behind the wall of injustice. Um, And just keep in mind the unprecedented nature of a former federal appeals judge speaking out on a case, I think he was so aghast by what what occurred. I think he was so disturbed that he felt like he had to speak out. This is something that just doesn't that just doesn't happen uh, and you have i don't know if you've heard it happen before, so I think people need to put that into uh into context of uh the unprecedented nature of a federal judge who said it's the worst injustice, H. Lee Sarekin says the worst injustice he's seen in his 60 years of law, of practicing law at the time. In 60, 60 years. years. That's precedent.
1: This This is unheard of. Any folks that need to contact us we need everybody involved as a community to get the story out. I don't care how you do it. You may be a producer. You may be uh, over writing documentaries. You may be saying, look, we have to get this message out. Uh, it goes and adds to the issues in this country with equal justice. There is no equal justice in this country. There's no equal justice. These men, out of nowhere, are blindsided dead. You know anything about football, a blind sided hit is something you never saw coming as a quarterback. The RP five suffered a
0: blind sided
13: hit.
1: It's a miracle that they survived. I'm telling you right now. It is tragic. Dennis, your thoughts.
5: Yeah, I agree. Uh
1: just listen to the story tonight, I tell you. you really It really makes you angry uh, to see the injustice. And uh, the guys were talking uh, in reference to how, you know, the judge would not allow uh, evidence that would truly clear them, that would truly change the uh, view of what the uh, jurors were hearing and seeing. And it's just so sad and how a judge that should be a referee uh, was partial to the uh, prosecutors, uh, the prosecution. And it's just sad. I mean, again, what these guys went through, uh, had their evidence been heard, and then you, when you got uh, Judge uh, Lee Sirican, uh highly, I mean, notable uh, judge, uh, says that something is wrong and no one listens. That tells you that uh, these judges, you know, this, this uh, immunity, this... Uh, above the law, this power that they possess, uh, if we don't take it, if we don't expose it for what it is, uh, we'll continue to see injustice like this to, I I, I mean, to to other, uh, you know, the other groups. This is absolutely unprecedented is what it is. Okay. How many times AJC radio has done this show, um, is just, this thing's brand new. That's what it seems, That's what it, that's what it appears to be. So I think it is important and I think people should be troubled. Just imagine that this was your father, brother, friend, colleague that suffered these things. You were not there to see America, the tears in a visitation room wondering when I can come home. When will my family be restored to me? Will my family still be here as the time goes on? The the protocol in most instances when people are in prison is after about three years, the average family falls off. You stop getting mail. You stop getting calls. Uh, you can't get through it on the phone to your loved ones. Not in this case. That wasn't going to happen. And the support group and the support team that these men had was unimaginable. But it does not take away the pain. The nights that you were alone
8: eight
14: years
1: is Unbelievable. I believe we have a caller. Okay. We have a caller? Go ahead, caller.
19: Yes.
18: Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to make a quick comment. Uh, Listening to the show the last few weeks, my name is Ari. All right, go ahead. All right. So listening to the show the last few weeks, there is one thing that is very clear to me and that is that the federal government targeted the IRP-5 because they are black. I know David Zapolo is not, but the majority of them are. Uh, they knew that they were going to be successful in their endeavors, and they targeted them because they did not want them to be successful. Um, everybody involved in this case, Darlene Martinez, Christine Arguello, Matt Kirsch, every single one of them should be disbarred taken away from their position and i don't know how they sleep at night i don't know how you can laugh at somebody being indicted wrongfully convicted and taken away from their families for eight years you are disgusting and you are a vile human being and i think that um i'm glad that a just cause is speaking about it and rehashing this story because it needs to be heard around the world and something needs to change and that needs to happen quickly thank you for taking my call
1: and thank you uh, folks, feel free to dial in 646 200 646 200 uh, and I agree with the caller. Um, but big business is going to have to be lost in the justice system because as long as this big business is, is at the front and center of our system, uh, you're not going to find justice anywhere except behind a dollar bill.
3: Um, that is tragic that is tragic. Go ahead, Dave. Well, one thing I want our listeners to understand is we keep talking about how we were in prison for eight years. It wasn't really just eight years. You had the time before where we were going through hearings and trials and dealing with uh, attorneys that were supposed to be supporting us and not supporting us. We've been out for two years now we're still on supervised release. We're still on probation. You're looking at those things. So it's not just eight years. It's really the rest of your life. When your case is, even if we get this all overturned, which I still believe we will and will be exonerated, there are still going to be people out there that say, but you did it.
13: Right. But
3: you did it. Or somebody that looks you up on Google and sees the conviction and says, well, I'm not hiring you because you're a felon. I mean, look at what happened Uh, At Comcast, there was there was nothing. There was a conviction. There wasn't a trial yet. And they were calling the men felons. So when you see that this is not just eight years in prison, this is the rest of your life that you deal with a situation like this. And when an accusation can hurt somebody, that's when you have to start looking at where is our system going and what is it trying to do to the regular citizen of America?
1: Absolutely right.
3: Tanik, um, any thoughts?
4: Yeah, um, I just think it's incomprehensible that a judge would go so far and do everything in her power to ensure she was that she got a conviction. I mean, I'm trying to put myself uh, in the jury seat and imagine being asked, like, "Can I have some more evidence? Can I have some more evidence?" Because I can't believe that you know they committed a crime and being given and not being given anymore because the judge is stopping it. Um, you know, the whole thing that we say over and over again about uh, being, you're not guilty and you're uh, you're innocent until proven guilty, she made sure that the guys were guilty from day one, right, that they were going to get a conviction. And I just think that is so wrong. Well,
1: she made the statement to the jury, which was jury tampering, an act of intimidation to the jury, that they would be financially responsible if they didn't come back with a verdict. Is that
3: correct? That's absolutely correct. She told them that if there is a mistrial, this trial has cost, what, a million dollars? A
1: million plus. She made it very clear to your point, Mutt. So now you got, we had a person that worked at Dairy Queen, just say at the time, 2011, 10 bucks an hour. You got a guy working at King Supers. You got a guy that was a farmer.
5: So you tell them, hey, you're going to have to pay for that. Come on. You already know what they're going to go.
1: Absolutely right. Uh, I believe we got Michelle on the line. Uh, She has a comment or a question. Michelle, are you with us?
4: Yes.
20: Um, I am so glad that you guys are talking about this situation. I knew about this when it first came out. And it is the judge, Christine Arguello, needs to be thrown off the bench, prosecuted, and put in jail because this is sickening that our system is this corrupt. I have no confidence in the legal system, period. And the thing is, we keep hearing about this again and again and again in the news. I am hoping that the IRP-5 get true justice, that 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 judge um, gets prosecuted for the the crooked stuff that she did and that prosecutor. And I just want to say I'm glad that you guys are discussing this. People need to realize this is happening to people's lives every day. And I can only imagine what those um, five gentlemen, everything that they have to have gone through and to have been completely innocent. And what makes it even more sick is the fact that they were trying to help our country. I just I, – this this whole situation is um, – it's hard to wrap your head around that people are that corrupt in the system, but it's absolutely true. And I just – I wish them all well. Thank you.
1: And Thank you for your comment. We have another caller. Latonya, are you with us? I'm here. Right,
4: go ahead. So um, my biggest issue is that I have a problem with the fact that they, before an indictment ever came down, they said they were guilty. But yet the prosecutors and and the judge, they did everything that was illegal. They're the ones that actually committed the crime, yet we have these five gentlemen were the ones that had their lives taken away. So how is it that they can actually be on a bench and say somebody committed a crime when they're doing things even worse than they are doing Are being accused of, and since a person is innocent, one minute, one second in jail, that's ridiculous. That's horrible.
1: No, absolutely right, and we appreciate your your call tonight. Look, there's reason to be outraged. There's reason to be emotional uh, in regards to, and we haven't even entered the courtroom yet on the conduct of this judge. Uh, I think it's a tragedy. I think it's something that, that has to be looked at, again, to anyone else that needs to contact AJC Radio, a Just Calls organization. Uh, we want you to contact us. You can go to our website, ajcradio.com, uh, and, and submit information, anything that you may want, more information. There's a phone number listed there as well. Um, let us hear from you. Um, this story and the reason people are outraged is because of what they're hearing did this happen and we've been talking this story for a long time um and we will continue to do so until justice is found for the rp5 i'm going to take a quick break coming back with our next segment of this show again 646-200-0628 all of our callers that called in tonight and those that will continue to call in give us a call we'd like to hear your thoughts on this type of injustice uh, America and the court system has lost her way. How do we find our
14: way back? This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
7: I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force.
13: I
19: served a total of 16 years.
7: I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die.
10: Coming back, I was raging.
7: I started having pretty
11: horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless.
4: I guess I never recognized it in myself.
14: Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and
7: said I'd like to see somebody.
2: Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go.
7: It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back,
14: so you owe it to them to live well. Because they're not here with their families. So
3: most people don't understand the importance of exercising and eating right. Most people think it's about getting super
1: buff or eating grass to keep that perfect vibe. But to those who believe that, are wrong exercising regularly and getting the right balance of nutritious food leads to a common diagnosis known as healthy. Now healthy may sound mainstream and boring, but it's real. It improves your immune system to prevent sickness, boosts self-confidence and controls body weight, gives you energy and improves your
17: overall happiness. So next time you think that's not bad, think again and be the best you you can be. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have Drug laws uh, so severely, desperately enforced against some groups. Let's, let's pick, take African-Americans, for example. There's no difference between black and white marijuana usage, or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums. Are more likely about 13 to get 13% longer sentences, and has created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13-14% of the population They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell in inner city. Now you're within a school zone. So now you have to face an even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, and tend to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. You just have a felony conviction for a possession. What do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. If you're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need a place to live. You can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do, because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, What's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home? Or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're gonna get caught. And for the rest of their life, They're 29, 39, 49, 59. They're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible, nor it's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, which should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough.
14: i be honest,
19: Your
7: resume not what I'm used to. I know. Okay, so what would you bring to my company?
19: What do you
10: need?
7: I need a hard worker.
10: Good. I've got two part-time jobs and to help my parents pay the bills.
14: I need problem-solving skills.
10: I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer.
14: No college degree, though.
10: Not yet, but life's taught me a lot and I'm ready for more.
14: Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for. Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, the number is 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, as we, man, have all been baffled here, uh, really at a point of disbelief, yet we know it is a true reality of the conduct of the judge, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, who is on a mission and appears to be on a mission to destroy, which she will fail at miserably. But her first steps of that was to really try to destroy the lives of the RP5. And without, without reason, without any type of conviction, uh, to do the right thing. Uh, that is missing horribly bad in our criminal justice system. And again, we, have, we gave them a new name called The System. There's no such thing as justice uh in this system in which we uh, uh deal with on a day-to-day basis i believe we have shantiria uh on the line shantiria you with us
19: yes hi i'm here can you hear me
1: yes go ahead please
19: yes so with the last couple of weeks and of course revisiting the situation i know for myself i've literally never been interested in the justice system or aware of the legal processes of being, convict- being convicted and, and especially wrongly convicted but this show alone ha- has been so insightful on who is involved and what the process you know needs to be done as far as you know from step 1 to 2 to 3 and so forth and what interests me the most and i mean honestly the most negative way is that there was not a single person that would even do the right thing during the process of persecuting these five men, not the judge, I mean, not the jury, you know, who's unaware of all the details and and facts, and just, like, no one during this whole time would do the right thing, except for, of course, these guys, and that, to me, is just so insane, that that is exactly what, as you appropriately mentioned, this system has come to, it's just tragic, it's just so frustrating, and it's so tragic.
1: No, absolutely right. I appreciate your comment tonight. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, And folks, look, this is the reality in which we live, Uh, but nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to just put some dressing on the windows and say, look, we're fine just the way we are uh, and never deal with the core issue. A judge is a referee doing proceedings. She is there. He is there only for one purpose, to ensure that it's fairness on both sides. This judge ensured that it leaned towards the government of the United States to find most favorably to the government of the United States, not about any type of evidence, any type of testimony that was so clear a contradiction, so clear a contradiction, refused to hear the facts in this case and to go as far as to threaten the jury, to intimidate the jury. And a jury is going to be intimidated by a judge if a judge does that which is inappropriate because they think, my God, the judge can do this to me and that to me. It's their lack of, uh, of understanding that the system doesn't work that way and shouldn't work that way. So let me say that. Uh, but to leave out there a threat and an act of intimidation by this judge is a disgrace to any existing system that we call justice in this country, and she should be dealt with accordingly and, under the, and prosecuted really to the fullest extent of the law. These these are criminal acts. You can call it what you want. These are acts of criminal behavior, uh, and she should be prosecuted for that. Um, I believe we have Liz on the line. Liz, go ahead, please. Yes, this is Liz.
19: I uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm so glad you're still dealing with this situation. This is this is just so tragic. It's such a violation. Five outstanding citizens with one goal in mind. That was to help our country. And this is the thing they get. This is just totally crazy. I it's just it's hard to wrap my mind around it. Every time I hear it, it's it's still like it's a movie. And it's just so tragic, and I'm so glad that you guys are dealing with this. we got to get the word out there more and more so that we can get justice for these wonderful guys. And thank you for taking my call.
1: I appreciate the call, Liz. Thank you so much. Um, Sam, your thoughts? Um, excuse me, Stampson, your thoughts? Well,
2: I mean, we've, we've had a number of callers come in, and it's just the fact that, I mean, A, with the one young lady, at she's never – thought about the process like that is like people need like dennis said early in the show people need to wake up to the fact that the system that we have in place as we've been saying for weeks now this is not justice this is not justice this is a basically cirque filet of propaganda and agendas that are being pushed to make basically make people more money to put innocent people behind bars and to Basically, see exactly how much of their own free will that they can exercise. This this is not a justice system. I mean, it's laughable to even think that. I mean, when you sit here and you have basically anywhere from two to five percent of cases that go to the federal that you know federal level that actually the defendants actually win. It's it's a paltry when it, the fact of the matter is that, that they're going to win. They're going to lie. They're going to do whatever they can do. And they being the, the federal court system, the federal agencies that are involved, they're going to do whatever they got to do because they don't want to seem vulnerable. They don't want to seem seem like they can be beaten. And Christine Arguello, you know, is a prime example. She's going to collaborate and, you know, go into cahoots with whoever she has to to make sure that these gentlemen spend time behind bars, period.
1: Well, absolutely. Dennis, your thoughts? Agree. I agree with all the uh, callers that called. I mean, uh, seriously, when you see the injustice, it really, uh, it really do it gets to you uh, because you can't, you can't. It's hard to see how uh, five innocent men with no records. That that's another thing that really gets me to no records. Their their integrity, their integrity. Nothing was considered in this case, and it's so sad that. You could take these men and and twist it in such a way
6: that they actually look like criminals. And 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 for people that know these men, again, I I said in the beginning of this story, beginning of this show, how much I looked up to them because I saw uh, some African Americans that
1: were educated. That 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 were, I mean, they were they. It, to me, it was awesome. And then to see this racial injustice system. Uh, take their lives and 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 then affect the family members also it was just tragic but again a show like this we must continue to put it out there this
16: justice system is not the system you think it is
1: no absolutely right absolutely right Demetrius go ahead uh when Dennis was coming he was saying about the integrity I remember and if the guys can chime in on this as well when we introduced when we made opening statements, each one of us had a chance since we were pro se we uh, represented ourselves, and we went down the line to introduce ourselves. hi, I'm Demetrius Harper, I don't have a record, blah blah blah. we got uh, stopped she stopped each one of us said, uh, you're not on trial. We we don't want you to talk about the integrity. Well, you Look, are on trial. Th-
5: well, th- that's that was the point. We we weren't even given a chance on our opening statement. To his point, we were introducing
1: ourselves. These just jury doesn't know who we are. They don't know our integrity. We don't know anything. So we're introducing, and they stopped us immediately. Each one of us, she stopped. Uh, the uh, 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 Matthew Curse objected, saying, "We're, we're not on trial to." Look.
5: It, it, this was a the theatrics that you're talking about. We weren't even a chance from, from the first day of opening statement to that to your point. We weren't even allowed to even say, hey,
1: this is who we are. This is what we believe in. Well, what's not done hardly ever in any proceeding is an interruption of an opening statement or a closing. And she interrupted our closing statements also.
13: Yes.
1: That's unreal. We're going to play a clip real quick. Um Wow. Unbelievable. Another clip regarding the RP5.
16: My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11 year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex
17: Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything
14: my business, my money, my family, my future, my church,
1: and my freedom. My name is Gary Walker and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just an aside, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction
14: among
5: any of us of these unbelievable
13: events
5: unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado.
11: It's fitting that we live prayed and worked together that we should end up dying together
12: and our families.
11: I am Kendrick Barnes,
1: and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison in Colorado.
16: I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testified, and then Gary objected. Adonnie Brooks broke out because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights have been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said, She had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the
0: transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. transcript
15: of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced.
12: I am Demetrius Harper,
6: and I'm serving
12: a 10 year sentence at the same
2: prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us.
13: Well, there you
1: have it. Those are. Uh, excerpts from the play uh, created by Federal Judge Ashley Sarakin, Race Card Up, uh, talking a little bit about in those positions of these gentlemen uh, that have suffered uh, at the hand uh, of this judge and you know, of this entire process. Uh, I'll tell you right now that this story becomes more complicated and more emotional as we proceed further.
13: Um, It is
1: our position as an advocate organization to tell this story, not from somebody else's mouth, but from the mouth of the IRP5, David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart, who you've heard in detail tonight, tell their story. The one question I would ask the hosts around this table tonight, is there hope for change? Is there hope that this type of conduct, can it be stopped? Is there hope that in some way people will become outraged enough to stop the wheels of injustice that continue to roll? My answer to that question personally, I don't know. I do not know. Because all confidence in this system, not only to the wrongful conviction of the RP 5 but to the thousands of people in this country who suffer this type of end during their process of due process? What about the people that are in courtrooms that we never hear about
13: that are suffering
1: the same injustice? And there are
13: many. As uncomfortable
1: as it may feel, It is our purpose to advocate for those that have lost their voice, to advocate for those that cannot come to this free world, as we call it, free.
13: Huge tragedy. I'd like to sit here and
1: tell you, as we join hands, we sing Kumbaya. There are no more issues that we have to worry about. We would... That would be the thing I would like to say, but it cannot be said. Not in the world of reality. The world of reality tells you no matter who you are, you you can become a victim of this system. And many do not survive being a victim of this system. They're never the same. And the system is set up to crush you dead. Never ever to get your life back, never ever to feel good about yourself, to go get a job. But there's one thing about the RP5 that is different you have to hold your head up and continue to fight. That's what it just calls us here to do and to help in doing just that. To anyone that has suffered this injustice, AJC would like to hear your story. Can we get them all in? Probably not. But contact us. Uh, And we'll do our very best to tell your story as well. William, very quickly, go ahead.
5: Well, I was just, you know, you asked that question and the thing is is that this story, along with no telling how many are out there, and eventually people get entire tired of injustice. And that's the one thing that we hope for. And the one thing that we know, we've seen it, that eventually enough injustice happens that people get fed up with it, they start believing the lie and then they realize we're gonna to have to take take a stand. And that's the hope that we have in this, this story, along with probably millions of others that are going on right now. Somebody's family is being impacted because they've been wrongfully convicted. Their family is suffering. There's no telling. And that's why we have wrongful convictions. We have that because of this injustice and people are going to get tired of it. And we've started to see it more and more. The George Floyd case sparked a nationwide, worldwide view of our injustice system.
1: And that was just the beginning. Uh, We said to ourselves, we'll do better. George Floyd begs for his life as the world watches him die. And in some case, there was an attempt to justify such a killing.
13: He's one of many sad
1: state in this country. And AJC and a just cause will continue to fight injustice wherever we find it. Till next time, America, as we continue this journey of the IRP 5 next week, we bid you farewell and good
14: night. This is AJC Radio signing off. Good night.